Hi, this is James Joachim, host of Webcomics Reviews and Interviews. Tonight, we're talking about romance. So sit back, relax, and let the Geek Fest begin. Romance sucks. Sure, you've got naked people flying through the air shooting arrows at each other, but it just isn't as much fun as it may seem. And this isn't just because writers tend to be a little cynical when it comes to romance. I mean, sure, we've got our own issues with it, but we're working through it, mostly. Let's just say therapists love seeing a writer come in. But the bottom line is that there's a lot about issues about romance that make it really difficult to write about. Making it worse is that since love has essentially been redefined, and it seems to be redefined every couple hundred years or so, at the very least, you know, it just gets really weird to write about. I mean, can you actually have a mega-powerful being fall in love with a regular human and it actually works out, you know? It's just, there's not a whole lot of dating apps out there for mega-powerful beings. They have to do what they can. And even if we're talking normal, you know, relatively earthbound humans, it's still one of the hardest emotions to really define. I mean, it's just you can't really tell if the romance is going to work out over a long period of time. Sure, you can in the comics, to a degree, but the bottom line question is, how would you write about romance and actually keep, keep it going over a long period of time? And more importantly, should you? I mean... Obviously, you'll have to preach each romance on a case-for-case basis, because there are some romances out there that have survived the test of time. I mean, let's look at Lois and Clark. This is one that basically shouldn't, and we'll get into some interesting reasons why it shouldn't later on. But, you've also got Reed Richards and Susan, you know? It's arguably one of the best romances out there. And, of course, there's the Scott Summers Jean Grey issue, which can get really thorny in and of itself. On top of that, because you've got a lot of Indian alternative comics out there, you basically have a proof that love can pretty much exist between any two individuals, or even between certain groups. Yeah, it gets complicated. Can you really love a hive mind? But, it's, these are actual questions that we as comic writers have to actually debate. We can't just simply do a, some really nifty abstract concept of can these two entities you know, actually join up. We actually have to go through and show how this happens. And when you've got a fiercely independent person falling in love with a hive mind, things can get really weird really quick. Because that is sort of important that we step back and actually look at what romance is and then some of the, a lot of the complications that can come from it. Yeah, I know, I'm trying to analyze something that's an emotion and it we already know right off the bat this isn't going to work out well. But it doesn't mean we can't try. So with that in mind, let's dive right on in. At its core... Love is basically when you have an intense emotional attraction between two individuals. And that pretty much sums it up. We've got two individuals that, for whatever reason, need to share space. 
It can be actual physical space, mental space, or what have you, as long as they basically recognize that on some level, the two of them basically can't be separated. There's just something about the attraction that makes it difficult for the two of them to set it aside. And we're not just talking mere infatuation or home loans. We're not talking like a pond far type situation where it's just, hey, you got the appropriate physical hookups. I've got the appropriate physical hookups. Let's get together and do something about it. You know? We're not talking a pure sexual attraction here. We're talking something that where the two people have a definite alpha omega thing going on. You know, where each one of them defines each other, not necessarily in terms of their own personalities and all that, but they also define themselves as part of being a team or part of a unit. And that's sort of where the struggle comes in. That is, we can't just simply define a romance as being, hey, you've got a nice pair, I've got a nice pair, we'll see what happens when we put them together type of thing. In a lot of weird ways, this goes back to the old Greek thing where you had people that were, you know, non-sex with four arms, four legs, and two heads, and somewhere along the line, they got split in two. That pretty much describes the love situation. You're into that one singular being. However, for our purposes, we can't necessarily look at they're going to be that one singular being because, well, it can get really weird really quick. You know, there's a lot of really great romances out there between two people of two species that we know are never going to be able to join up together like that. Even a base physical relationship. You know, there's a lot of bittersweet romances in that regard. And we as writers have to allow for that. Therefore, that's why I'm defining it as a two people that have to be together. You know, we're not just simply talking about Vulcan Pond Forest situation where two people hook up, have a kid, separate. You know, that that's just, that's pretty much straight sex defined. And it's really where we can go to Vulcans for that. But we're talking, there's just some sort of deeper meaning to it. We're talking the Japanese Red Ribbon Affair where you've got these two people, no matter how far apart they are, will always be connected to some sort of red ribbon. And it's not necessarily a physical red ribbon, obviously. It's just, at some level, we're talking two individuals that have to be together. They don't necessarily have to be compatible on any other level, just that one where they have to be with each other. So, you know, I'm trying to define it, but at the same time trying to avoid it because there's just something cool about having something nebulous out there to deal with. And romance, in terms of its definitions, does better when there's nothing really to define it. That is, there's nothing to say, hey, these two people have to be together because they're totally compatible on all the charts. Yeah, it's just, sometimes weird things happen. The fun part is, is that when we start talking about people who are in a romance, there are, of course, some basic characteristics. Um, the two of them share some pretty good communication. They can basically get a basic emotional point across, even if they can't get abstract stuff, you know? 
Sure, they may not be able to discuss constitutional law together. In fact, one of them may not even understand what constitutional law is. But they can't get basic emotional details across. You know, stuff like, I'm hungry, can we go get something to eat? Um, can you defend me? I'm about to be attacked. Even a real basic, hey, I'm really enjoying this moment with you. There's definitely empathy between the two of them. It may be off a little bit every so often, but generally the two of them are pretty much in sync. The more interesting part is that the two of them will become compatible over time if they didn't start off that way right off the bat. And I'm not necessarily talking that you're going to see major personality traits change over a period of time, but they'll basically become a little bit more compatible with each other. You know, they'll define the alpha and beta situation probably a little bit weirder than normal. Rather than one person is always in charge and the other person is always in second, you'll generally see a good switching between the two. That kind of compatibility. You know, we're not talking a leader and follower type situation or even a, you know, I'm totally infatuated with you type of situation. We're talking there will be an actual give and take in that relationship. And to a certain degree, they will view each other as equals, no matter how unequal they really are. This is where some of the comic book romances start getting into some really interesting territory. You know, Lois and Clark is probably going to be the the best example of this. There's absolutely no way you're ever going to convince anybody that Superman and Lois Lane are equals. But the two of them nonetheless see themselves as such. And this has been a really interesting dynamic when that's actually been really explored over the years. It's just when you start falling in love with someone, a lot of the rules that would normally apply to a lot of other relationships just don't seem to apply. And this, of course, can create its own problems, especially if the two lovers don't really allow for it and just simply go straight forward into it. And that's where a lot of fun complications can arise from. But, so summing up for our purposes, you've got two people that are attracted to each other, see each other as equals, and there's some sort of baseline communication that goes along with each other. More importantly, the two of them tend to work well as a team. It may not always be apparent, and that teamwork may not work the way you think it will, but the bottom line is, there is some teamwork that basically allows them to work well as a team together. So, yeah, I know, it's a little nebulous, but you know, go with me on it. And we're going to show you some ways that there's going to be some problems here and there. Alright, for the purpose of this podcast, I'm going to ignore all the added complications that get into it just from the two of them hooking up. I mean, I'll touch on it a little bit here and there, but the bottom line is, we're going to try to avoid Romeo and Juliet, Romeo and Juliet situations. Yeah, this is a, this is a, present day we can deal with Romeo and Julio situations too but the bottom line is I'm going to try to avoid a lot of the complications of the two of them basically hooking up in the first place and I'm going to assume that for the sake of argument the two of them have in fact gotten together 
And I emphasize gotten together over hooked up here because hooked up has its own connotations that don't necessarily apply in this situation. It's just... I'm trying to keep it as simple as absolutely possible. If you want to throw in complications in terms of them getting together, there's plenty there. You know, you've got physical issues, you've got psychological issues, you've got societal issues. You want to have fun keeping two people apart and getting them together? Hey, go for it. You can even have throw personality conflicts in there because you've got, you know, the standard will they won't you, you see a lot in TV. That is arguably the most aggravating possible relationship basis ever. But I seriously digress. All right. All right, you'll notice that I basically nailed it down to compatibility, communications, and some sort of a quality issue. When it comes down to writing a romance, that's your big three problems. Because a lot of people tend to ignore a lot of the fun parts. So, let's start off with equality because that's a big one. I mean, let's get real. A lot of you best um, romances out there have some sort of obvious inequality issue. Dr. Manhattan and uh, Jane, for example. Or even, Lo you know, Lois and Clark. Lois and Clark is probably the bis biggest possible example just because it's one we all know about. And it's one we can definitely relate to. So the question is, not so much what Superman brings to the table, but what does Lois bring to the table? And when we start talking equality, that's something that needs to be considered here. What exactly does Lois Lane bring to this matchup? Because she's definitely out of her league when it comes to the power issue. Well, when it comes down to it, she helps ground Superman. She keeps him human, and because he's able to keep him with his humanity, it's something he can actually keep and relate and actually be, stay being a good guy. Because let's get real, you know, somebody of that power level doesn't have to stay around protecting humans. Why should he bother? There's nothing in it for him. Except, of course, he's got some really cool relationships. And because of those relationships, it helps keep him grounded. And more or less, keeps him from basically becoming dead inside. In a lot of ways, that can actually be worth it. You know, it's the whole person versus self conflict. Is life actually worth living if you have no reason to live? You know what I mean? Lois provides that reason. Not only that, but she also provides a certain level of competition to Superman, at least in terms of when he's playing um, Clark Kent. Because Lois can definitely engage him as an equal in terms of reporting. And she's definitely got some spirit to her. Overall, Lois brings basically the soul to the group. And that's an important part, especially when you're dealing with a good guy. If you want to see what happens when Superman loses that, well, DC has conveniently answered us by having the Injustice series. You know? And, of course, there's also the uh, Superman 1 million where he goes into the sun for a couple of centuries. 
So we know there's some definite advantages to having Lois around. She definitely brings something to the relationship. And that's an important part of the equality issue. The other part is, obviously, that there has to be some sort of balance between the two. The two of them have to balance each other out, at least on some level. You know? And I know the humanity issue keeps bringing, being brought up, but like I pointed out, you've also got the competition issue. Clark Kent and Lois Lane can compete at the same level, and she's actually nailed him pretty much. I mean the two battles between the two of them in terms of professional etiquette and all that have been classic. Lois can definitely hold her own when it comes to being a reporter, just as Clark Kent can. And Superman actually sort of loves that little bit of competition. It keeps him going. It just shows to him that no matter how powerful he really is, there are some areas where he can actually seek improvement. And it's sort of fun when you realize that Lois Lane can and has handed Superman his his butt. It's just, you know, you've got to allow for that level of competition, that level of equality. Equality isn't necessarily, obviously, isn't going to be power versus, you know, anything else. It's got to be some sort of other issues to keep in mind. Obviously, there can be some overlap allowed in that balance. Again, you've got two highly competitive people and they found a way to enjoy life with each other. And that's sort of the weirdness of that particular relationship. On top of that, you see this a lot in the comic books. Um, there's absolutely no question that Gene Gray and Scott Summers flipped that. You know, you've got the Phoenix Force versus essentially the most powerful gun on the planet. Well, let's get real to the Phoenix Force. The most powerful gun on the planet may as well be a pop gun. It doesn't really matter to her. She can deflect his blast, can, you know, that's all Cyclops, when it comes down to it, apparently brings to that particular table. But in this kind of situation, you sort of have an interesting reverse on the situation in that Cyclops is actually the one who brings humanity to the Phoenix Force. And of course the Phoenix Force being a source of pure emotion, more actually, and I know it's the pure potential of the universe, but it's also a pure force of emotion and it requires some sort of analytical, logical side to it. Cyclops provides that control rod. You know, you're going to see a lot of really great romances over the years where the two of them tend to bring, are either matched in power and competition, or they just simply bring some sort of leveling factor to the other person. Usually it's the humanity one, but there are others. I mean, one of the weirder couples out there in terms of just how it works is Reed Richards and Susan Richards. These are arguably the most romantic couple in the universe. And let's get real, you cannot write about romance without mentioning those two. And comes down to it, yeah, Sue may not be the pure intellect that Reed is, but then again, Reed doesn't have the sheer power that Sue has. 
And on top of that, they're all, both powerful in their own weird ways. You know, Reed Richards, knowing what's going on, can always build something ahead of time and bring it to the party. So he's not exactly a powerless character. But the really fun part is that even though originally Susan brought the humanity to the table, over time we've established that they both have a certain level that they bring to that. I mean, in a lot of weird ways, they balance each other out in a lot of really cool ways. And that's definitely one of the best romances out there, if not the best founded one. So, the bottom line here is that each party has to bring something to the party. They, they have to bring something of actual value. They just can't just simply be, hey, I've got a great body, how do you like it? And go ahead. That's, that's just straight attraction. There's nothing there. You know, let's get real. Superman could not fall in love with pretty much anyone else but Lois. It's not because she was specially made for him. It's just that, well, Lois has a lot of unique characteristics that make her worth catching for pretty much anybody. So, yeah, I know, it's a weird way of looking at it, but it's, you've got to. Compatibility is another one that's going to be sort of a fun one. In this case, it, we're looking more at psychological than we are physical, because let's get real, there's a lot of really cool romances that physically just don't work. You know? I'm an energy being, and you're a fleshy thing. You know, just really how does sex work in that situation? It doesn't. It doesn't have to for the purposes of our conversation, because we're not talking about sex. We're talking about romance. Um... Where you've got to love that there is going to be some volatility. I mean, let's get real. The best romances out there have some sort of level where the two people don't always get along. You know, even if we look at Morticia and Gomez, you know, the two of them tend to get along nine times out of ten, but that one time out of ten, they sort of love and cherish. They, a good romance needs a certain level of volatility to it in order to work over time. If the two people are always getting along, it's going to be boring. There's just no heart to it, you know what I mean? You need two people who are going to be still be themselves, but still somehow or another get along with each other pretty well. So, like I said, compatibility definitely has to be part of it, but it doesn't have to be a physical thing. It doesn't have to be a pure emotion thing. It just has to be two people that tend to get along really well. And, of course, you can even debate that part of it, but the key is they still want to be together. They still define each other in terms of each other. So, generally speaking, two people, when it comes down to it, in a romance, are going to be compatible on some level. It may not be obvious, it may not even be apparent, but it's definitely going to be there. To agree, let's talk about trust real quick while we're here. Obviously, trust between two couples isn't is definitely going to be required. In the catch is, though, is that it's going to be a really weird required. That is, it's not going to be a you know a boxy check off on. So, can I trust you? Obviously, this isn't always going to be the case. How many super spies have you seen fall in love in the comics? And we know super spies can't trust each other by definition. 
It's just two people that know that they can trust each other to some degree with each other's secrets. Obviously, this trust can and has been used against them. Um, you know, again, super spies. What are you going to do? But that level of trust tends to lead to a lot of other things. Even if they know that they can't really trust each other, ironically, that I can't trust you past this point actually does serve as a form of basis for trust. So, you know, you can have two enemy agents fall in love with each other, or even two people from completely different backgrounds follow each other, know that at some level they're going to betray each other, and to a certain degree that's fine between the couple. They wouldn't respect each other if they didn't. And yeah, I know, it gets really weird. But couples tend to trust each other when it comes to making judgments about the other person even if those judgments may lead to the death and internal damnation of the other. Again, romance isn't completely logical. That's sort of actually why we like it. Um, communication is something that's definitely worth bringing up. The basic thing is, again, we're not talking they have to be able to communicate abstractly. You know? If we're talking about the finer parts of religion, that's obviously going to be off the table in a lot of ways, and not just because of diplomatic issues, but, you know, sometimes two people can't really get into the really nitty-gritty of what they believe in or even basic science. I mean, you know, read Richards and Susan Storm again. Susan can keep up and read conversations, but she's not a physicist, so she's going to get lost. You know, she's not worried about worried about the abstract stuff. She's worried about the basic communication stuff. You know, is there something going on with Reed? What do I need to protect him? And yeah, she in protecting mode can be bloody scary. Just ask Doctor Doom. Um, you know, the basic emotional empathy type of level of communication is important here. You know, I really don't like that movie, but we're going to watch it anyway because it makes you happy type of thing. As opposed to a reasonable critical analysis of that particular movie. Yeah, you want to see Reed Richards, who basically can't take damage, all of a sudden start taking damage? I'm willing to bet he does not miss a single rom-com night. But, the key here is that there is some level of communication. This does not mean that secrets can't be withheld from the other person. Obviously, some secrets are going to be allowed and even expected. And we're not just talking to two super spies. You know, if you're starting to date someone, odds are the last thing you want to hear about are her top ten last dates. That sort of thing. All that matters is that you are there. Your past history doesn't really matter. On the other hand, if there is situations where the past history does matter, obviously medical issues come up, um, interesting items in your history that need to be flagged, you know, like you're a communist spy, for example, um, obviously these things will need to be discussed at some point. And the sooner the better. But, the key here is that even though the two of you are pretty much in sync with each other, 
there are going to be some room for uh, secrets and lies. Just make sure that when you actually start bringing these things up, that they're not stuff that you know shouldn't have been that should basically have been discussed at an earlier time. You know, otherwise it's going to create some really interesting issues really quick, and you start getting into the situation of, you know, why you fall in love with this person if you couldn't trust them. The comic book example, of course, it would be, say, somebody working on the Sentinel Project, falling in love with a mutant, and the mutant keeps that her mutation secret. You know, a person should not be required to betray who that person is in order to keep the love going. Yeah, it's one of my more irritating tropes. You fell in love with a person because of who that person is, and the potential the person had. You did not fall in love with that person because of what they could do for you. If that's the case, you're talking an entirely different type of relationship. You're not talking a romantic one. So, and if you really did love the person, you left them in on those big secrets ahead of time to basically determine if there is a compatibility issue. So, that is something to consider. You know, it's just... Yeah, that's just one of my least favorite tropes. The I've got my secret, and you have to betray whoever you are in order to keep that secret. That's not love, okay? That's just something entirely different. Obviously, I'm not saying you can't trust because of some sort of revelation like that. You know, the fact that people do change because of revelations like that in the real world isn't actually a major factor in a lot of ways. But at the same time, there's a level of betrayal of trust, and we've established that trust is a big part of being in a romance. So you've got to decide if you're actually having a romance or if you're having something else. And keeping secrets like that is not a romantic situation. You know what I mean? All right. And since we're basically looking at romance, let's look at the forced romance concept. Specifically, you have a lot of cultures, even in the real world, where you've got two people that are forced to marry each other. And we're not just simply talking the, you got me pregnant, we have to get married type of situation. We're also talking that people have been forced to marry because of diplomatic reasons or genetic issues. And we start looking at comic books, yeah, we're going to see a lot of the genetics come up. The big question is, can these uh, relationships evolve over time into an actual romance? And the check is that, yeah, they can. Obviously, they're not going to start off that way. You've got two people that are forced together because of something, and they're going to have to deal with it over time. This is one of my dreaded, yeah, try to avoid the will she or won't she type of thing. You know, it's just, gets aggravating. And I'm purposely phrasing it as a will she, won't she, because nine times out of ten, the guy knows he's falling in love with her within, you know, pretty much right off the bat. And it's the most aggravating TV trope out there. Over a couple of seasons, yeah, she starts falling in love, they get together, and sometimes even get married. 
Yeah, that's not what we're talking about. If you have to go with that as your basic romantic crisis, you know, that's a conflict that you just need to just get rid of. It's sort of interesting, but it's more aggravating than anything else. We're not talking that here. We're talking about a situation where you've got two people over time that may or may not fall in love with each other. That have been put into that situation due to outside factors. If we're talking comic book, we're usually looking at, you know, the genetic issue where you've got two people that would really do make some really great babies together. Usually very powerful babies together. You want to do a lab experiment, do it on your own time. At uh, the other hand, you've also got people that are thrown together for diplomatic reasons. You know, our, we need to cement the relationship of our two kingdoms somehow. Let's have the kids marry type of deal. You can have organizations, you can have families, you can have kingdoms, you can have empires, you can have whatever you want. The bottom line is, the two people are going to be put together whether they want it or not. You know, the bottom line here is, one of two situations is going to develop over time. The obvious is romance. The two of them may actually find they are compatible if they do start you know, starting ending each other's sentences and actually do have a little bit of a thing for each other. Generally speaking, friendships are probably going to be the most likely. You know, they're going to find each other becoming allies. Occasionally, and more interesting from our perspective, is they come, become bitter enemies. And then it gets really fun. Um... You know, if the romance develops, great. If it doesn't and it goes into bitter enemies, that's great too. Especially great. But, if they just simply keep it at the friends level, odds are they're going to create some interesting comp compensation for each other. Um, obviously, they're, they've been put together for a purpose of, uh, well, consummating the relationship and creating a child. As long as that is allowed for, you can't have the other. You can have a, two people go into sex with somebody else. Usually, that's seen as acceptable. They can even have a romance with somebody else as long as it doesn't. You know, it's not going to be of the found out variety. This is sort of where Guinevere got into a problem. It's just straight up. You're going to have to allow for the fact that you've got two people that don't want to be around each other and so they're going to make allowances for each other in that regard. And then of course we hit the delightful other category. First off, let's look at the relationship itself in terms of other issues. Um, obviously you can have a situation where you've got two people that are so dealing with each other that they develop some sort of romance or at least curiosity if a romance could exist over time. I'm real hesitant to say go for it again. I hate will they won't they relationships, but it is something worth considering if they've been around each other way long and they're starting to you know actually establish some sort of level of compatibility going on. Sometimes that romances will develop naturally and organically in a comic. That's fine. 
you know, they can actually have a lot of fun with it, and the fans will drive, go crazy over it. But it's not mandatory, and if it develops, great, but don't force it. You know, it goes back into that forced romance category. It just doesn't work as a romance over, you know, past a certain degree. Um, there may be a bittersweet, uh, sorry, there may be a bittersweet act, um, aspect to the relationship. Obviously, this is going to apply if you've got two people that just simply can't exist each other. You know, I matter, you're anti-matter, we touch, we go boom. Obviously, this will have a problem with the sharing space issue I mentioned earlier. You've also got the same problem if you've got two people that, that for one reason or another, can't be seen together or can't actually be communicating each other, you know? Um, the prince and princess situation is probably the ultimate example of this. You know, you've got a prince in one land, princess in another, and the two of them because of you know, the Romeo and Juliet situation. They can't cross over because of war between the two states. If they do, bad things happen. Obviously, in this situation, you're going to see a lot of bittersweet romances. They'll try to defend each other as much as they can, but there's only so much they can really do. Going back to, and this will lead up into the other relationships issue, is keep in mind that the two of them are going to recognize that they can't obviously have sex for whatever reason. They can't physically connect. Um, this is where we get into the really interesting situation that you can't have a romance between two characters and also have them as sexually active characters, but there's not necessarily a connection between the two. You know, you can't have two people that are heavily into romance that will never see each other in bed. That's fine. It The romance isn't required to have sex. It's just required that they have a desire to share space. And that's all that really matters. You know, it is possible to build a relationship where there's no sex involved. And in fact, the two people have no problem with the other partner having sex with other individuals. This is not an open relationship. This is a straightforward recognizing that we can't have do certain activities together, but you can go ahead and enjoy that on your own type of deal. Yeah, I know, it's a weird way of looking at it, but a lot of people get too caught up in the whole, you know, we're going to share space so we can only, there's a lot of activities we no longer can do with each other type of deal. Obviously, if the relationship is actually working, they're going to allow areas of room for areas that don't. Again, this goes back to the old super spy situation. You know, you've got two people that obviously aren't going to be able to do a lot in terms of each other, but they will have a they can have romantic feelings towards each other, even if their occupation says otherwise. Superman and Lois is an interesting problem here because, well, Man of Steel, Woman of Kleenex. Yeah, actually look it up. It's an incredible article explaining why, for the people who don't quite follow, why Lois and Clark can't have kids together. Of course, it is worth noting that if, you know, Superman and Lois had sex under a red sun, things would obviously change in that regard. 
But then you'd have to have her under a red sun during the entire gestation period, and they would get all sorts of interesting. But the key here is you don't have to have sex or even procreate in order for the romance to to grow, or even for that matter, begin. So don't get too caught up on that. There are ways around that. And if you happen to have one person who wants to have sex and the other one doesn't, Again, that can be established as part of the relationship. Aren't you glad you didn't bring up all the other conflicts that can be part of a romance into this? Alright. And then it gets into the really fun part of, like I said, other relationships. First off, I'm going to point out real quick that having sex in and of itself is not to be considered an open relationship. Romance in and of itself has to be an end-all, be-all situation. You have to be totally in love with the person you're with. This isn't just mere infatuation. This isn't mere sexual attraction or even mere friendship. And don't get me wrong. I have no problem saying friendship has a lot of the same power that romance does. But the bottom line is, is that you can't be in a true open relationship because you're always going to have those emotional feelings for each other. And I'm not talking necessarily they have to be sexual ones. If that's the situation, if you just need to have sex with someone every so often, or if you need to procreate, that can be made that can be made allowances for. Rather, what I'm looking at is that you can't have a deep emotional attachment to more than one person at a time. It sounds like it works. It sounds like it can definitely work, especially if we're talking human beings and their adaptability. But the reality is, eventually you're going to have some sort of problem with it. And I never, you can never really tell where the problem's going to show up, but it's just, it just isn't going to work. Admittedly, a lot of that because of a certain jealousy factor. And let's get real, you know, if you're really having a romance, you're going to want that jealousy factor at some point. You know, you're going to want one member or the other to actually be jealous of just simply a straight platonic relationship with someone else. Again, Morticia and Gomez. The two of them get along pretty well, but every so often they tend to get jealous of other people spending time around the other. Again, that's perfectly a natural part of romance and actually keeps the romance going. You know, you want to have the two people defending each other from others in order to keep the romance going. It shows that there actually is something deeper going on there. And that's per not just fine, but it needs to be encouraged to some degree. And that's where you start getting in. That's one of the obvious problems with an open relationship. There's also the trust issue with an open relationship. You know, can you really trust this person to keep your secrets to the other person? Um, and of course, we're obviously ignoring a lot of the health issues in that as well. It's just there's a lot of questions with an open relationship that need to be answered in order for it to even stand a chance of working. That's why I'm saying they usually don't work. They sound great. They really sound great on paper, especially if you've got one person who only wants to have sex like once a year and the other person wants to have it every other day. 
you know, it sounds like it'll can work, but you've got to allow for the person more of an allowance situation than you are looking for an open relationship situation. So it's going to get romance. It will always get complicated. We're humans. We complicate things. It's part of who we are. So, guess I better close this thing up. Right? We could just go on forever, right? All right. So here's the deal. When you're doing a romance between two characters, there has to be some sort of actual connection, and the two of them have to see each other as the alpha and omega of their various existences. They don't necessarily have to be totally compatible, but they do have to have some level of compatibility. Both parties have to be equals, at least in the terms they bring something important to the relationship. I don't care how tertiary it may sound, you know, so let's get real. Sometimes bringing humanity to the relationship may not sound like a big thing. But it can actually be a huge thing. Um, there has to be some level of open communication. It doesn't matter. It obviously doesn't have to be abstract, but it at least has to be an emotional level. Also, they have to allow there are going to be secrets in any given relationship. This should not be seen as a bad thing, as long as the relationship doesn't affect the two individuals. Also, you can't ask one person to betray who they are for the relationship. At that point, there's just something really hinky about the relationship overall. You can, if you're going to do a forced romance, go at it gingerly. Keep in mind that there are a lot of issues you're going to have to deal with there. Um, try to avoid the concept of open relationships because it just doesn't work as well as you think it will over a period of time. And if it does... It just doesn't feel right. Again, we're humans. We complicate things. It's just... You know... You're, the open relationship will end in a very closed method at some point. Definitely avoid... Will they, won't they... Type of relationships in your comic. Yeah, I know it's a basic TV trope. It's a basic comic book trope. But... Just avoid it. So... I hope this helps, and like you said, you have some fun with it. You know, you don't have to have naked babies running around with crossbow bolts firing at each other just to make a point. It's just, you need those, go for it. But, you know, just make sure there's something, when you do your romances, make sure that there's something real to that romance. You don't just simply want something that's being done for the sake of, you know, having fans to your comment. Trust me, as soon as they catch on to the fact that it's not a real romance, your comic is going to die a really hard death. It's just people like being romantic at heart, even if we aren't. I don't care how cynical you are, there is something really cool about somebody else having a romance, and it's worth defending. If you decide to go something really horrible and you simply decide, hey, I need to have a romance. Make sure it's between characters that it actually works with. Not two characters that, you know, you just simply want to see them in love. Yeah, you're going to get a lot of fans and a lot of fans are going to love it, but they're going to catch on and when they catch on, trust me, you think a scorned woman is horrible? You've not seen anything like a scorned fan. So, you know, have some fun with your romance and that's the emphasis there. Have fun with it. 
Other than that, you know, have a good evening. Talk to you later.